ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. South Carolina's grad assistant beat out the water boy starting quarterback position. Kirby Smart was too busy picking out the right bowl for his game day haircut to fill in a depth chart. Pumpkin pie haircutted freak. The season is back and life is good. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Nick. We are the Clemson Podcast, and I'm so happy to be joined tonight by my co-hosts, Ben and Cody. And this is our Clemson 2021 football season preview. Fellas, good to good to see you. I feel like uh, people are sick of hearing my voice. Good to finally get you guys back on the air. Yeah, I haven't even listened to them yet. Uh, it's been been a busy month. Um, Cody, how you doing, man? About time. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, a lot of like domestic responsibilities, like painting the house and other stuff, getting ready for football season. But I'm so ready for football season. And I, I have listened to the podcast with Tully and the Shaking the Southland guys. I think they're I think they're really good. Those guys are a lot smarter than me and you, Ben. Um, it's not saying much. Uh, I will be listening uh, on my Delta Airlines flight from San Francisco to Charlotte on Friday. Nice. Yeah, it's great. Great to know we're going to have at least one one of us down there at the game, Ben. Um, you're going to have to keep an eye out for uh, interview opportunities with some of our some of our fans and listeners. What do you think? I do not mix business with pleasure. So when you see me, pretend like you don't know me for all our fans out there who, who will recognize me. Right. All right, guys. I'll uh, be carrying a giant podcast flag. As a cape. <laughs> uh, we got a team to preview. We have a season to preview. A lot to cover in this show. Um, really wanted to examine this team. I mean, we've, we've obviously, you know, with this crew and the Shaken Southland team, um, have previewed aspects of this team coming in. I think for this show, what I'd like us to think through here, you know, we've, we've had a fall camp uh, depth chart was released on the Clemson side, though not the Georgia side. So I think some of the questions we had coming in to the off season have been answered to some extent. Um, so wanted to understand, you know, really we know what the ultimate goal for this team is. That is to compete for and win a fourth national title for Clemson third in this era. And I'm curious, is this the team that can do it? So I feel like we should dig into that. There's plenty of, you know, position group intrigue and just, you know, remaining questions that I think merit some discussion from us. Uh, but suffice to say, I think we're, all three of us are really excited about this team being able to come back in this season and, you know, avenge the loss to Ohio State and really get back to um, some Clemson football fundamentals that have been missing for a couple of years, namely things like the defensive line and um, things like being a more balanced offensive attack um, up front. So, um, I don't know, guys. I'm really excited for the season. Um, so the real heavy headlines, you know, for folks who have been following, probably listening to previews from more like national publications, is that how is this Clemson team going to replace Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne? And from a very high level, um, I think this team is going to get along fine replacing both of those guys based on the depth of talent, um, which we'll definitely address here. 
Um, I think the lingering questions from last year, maybe a little bit under, you know, look, taking a closer look, um, how, la how last year ended was with this team on the offensive side, really ending, ending up being a one-dimensional team um, when we face off against elite competition based on a lack of sufficiency in the running game um, due to some offensive line depth and quality issues. So I think that's going to be kind of a, a consistent theme here of a question mark for this season, um, but really at a high level for the offense, um, there's some coaching staff shakeups. Um, you get some guys back who were injured last year. Justin Ross is back. So a lot of things to look forward to. I'm wondering, you know, from you guys, like what's the top story from the offensive side that you guys are both kind of tracking and thinking about for this team? Well, you, you mentioned uh, there a little bit ago, what is, you know, the world is looking at Clemson and asking, you know, what are they going to do without Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne? And my question is, um, what are we going to do if the offensive line is not very good again? Because we had Travis or Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne last year, and we didn't win it. We had them the year before that, and we didn't win it. Uh, so <clears throat> we know it's more than just two guys um, that we'll be having to replace. It really, for me, comes down to the performance of the offensive line. We have highly recruited guys at the quarterback position, running back and wide receiver. Um, and we also now have them on the offensive line, but they're young. So we need to see if uh, the big question mark is how good are they going to play? Because I think that'll um, dictate how good the offense is. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's uh, in some sense, the spotlight really isn't on DJ and that's strange. It's not on DJ as much as it is the offensive line, because look at last season, Trevor Lawrence is, he's a generational talent and he, not that he wasn't great, but his, he was muted a bit. He was, I don't know. He was 70% of what he could be because of the offensive line. So you're right, Ben, if the offensive line to me, they set the floor for the team. Like if they're not any better than last year, and there's been a lot of reports that they will be better, but if they're not, it really doesn't matter to some extent how good DJ can be because it's, it's just a, I guess it's a limiting factor. And just to be clear, it's not that the offensive line wasn't holding up and doing its part in the passing game. They were, they're a top 15, top 20 um, offensive line in passing downs and in pass protection. But I think, Cody, what you're referencing is having a balanced attack and, you know, teams not being able to zero in and uh, zero in on receivers and kind of take away that, that element of the game or really challenge the team. So it really is about also like having an efficient offense, moving the chains, um, especially against elite defenses. So yeah, it's really the, um, you said it'll define the floor of this team um, in that regard. I want to ask you guys though, like, do you think, it will be a better this year. Do you think the offensive line is going to gel, find its, find its footing? I mean, you know, it was, it was a young team a year ago and I know we've lost two guys um, from the offensive line last year, but um, you know, there's, there's more continuity. There's more consistency. There's more depth. Do you, do you think it's going to be an issue, but come playoff time? Well, it's less of a question for me of how they're going to fare in the playoffs right now. It's it's more about how are they going to fare on Saturday night? Because, listen, after that game, you have the rest of the season uh, to bring along the young guys and build more continuity. Uh, but this first game is the one that's going to matter. And to answer your question, I do think they'll be better this year, and I do think they have a higher ceiling. Nothing against the guys last year, but the, the guys that we're plugging in this year and the starters this year, you've got – you know, Marcus Tate, the true freshman, pushing for some playing time, uh, coming in right out of high school. 
Will Putnam started what every game last year, I think. Um, Walker Parks in there. We saw him play. He got some good playing time last year. Now in the second year in the program, just has the mentality of what you want to see from an offensive lineman. Matt Bockhorse is back and healthy this year. Uh, the center position, we're still trying to figure out. You know, have a few options there. Mason Trotter looks like he's going to get the start uh, with the ability for Bockhorse to move over and, and push Tate uh, in, uh, to starting left guard. So I think we got more options this year. We have more depth and we have a lot more upside because we've just, you know, we've got higher rated recruits now growing up um in in you know getting more playing time and i think you're going to start to see that develop this year and it's only going to get better from here because the recruiting has really been uh, good in that regard yeah i think it's going to get better as well a couple of reasons one it, it can't get i don't want to say much worse and i don't mean that we were a horrible offensive line last year i think when you guys said it pass protection was good uh, it was just a matter of creating running running lanes which we were unable to do which just comp- like it's like you said, Tully, it's about balance. We weren't able to do that when you can't create running lanes and you, and that it, it spells doom when you're playing Ohio state or you're playing, you know, Georgia, Alabama. Um, so I think we will get better. Um, I think the big thing, like you said, Ben's like the first game or will we be ready by the first game? I don't know. I don't know, but there is more depth last year. There were extenuating circumstance, extenuating circumstances, uh, in terms of like COVID, I think it affects probably the the big guys more just from a training uh, exercise standpoint and how they prepare for the season. So it, it stands to reason that like they were worse for that for that reason because guys like Matt Bockhorst and and uh, and Carmen the year before to me were much better. So why did they take yep. a step back, uh, Carmen in a money year? That, that made no sense. I think it, I think it's just COVID, just you know, uh, development or off season workouts and and uh, physical readiness. I just think it wasn't up to task. So I think it will get better. Um, I'm not looking forward to this Georgia game. I know we're not going to talk about the Georgia game uh, right now, but that that's, that's going to be quite a test. How about in the running, running game guys. So Travis Etienne, possibly you could probably say he's one a or one B best running back in school history. They weren't able to get, get much out of Travis Etienne. He had one or two, maybe even three at the most hundred uh, yard games yards per carry down, um, number of explosive plays out of the backfield down. Obviously, he made contributions in other ways, but um, how are we feeling about the stable of backs that are going to take reps um, at the running back position? You know, it will obviously be, I mean, no one's going to step up to the level of Travis Etienne this season. At least that's not what we're expecting. But how much of a a drop-off do we get at, you know, first, second down running plays from either Kobe Pace or Lynn J. Dixon or even Will Shipley? Uh, again, it depends on how better the how much better the offensive line is, really. Um, you know, if you have guys opening holes and getting a push, and then it doesn't take a five star first round uh, draft pick running back uh, to run through them and and find success. And the good thing is, we do have talented guys like Lynn J. Dixon's been in the program for. I mean, we've seen what he can do. Um, Kobe Pace, we're really excited about him. And Will Shipley is coming in, getting comparisons to, to Travis and how he's kind of set camp on fire with his explosive plays. So, and I don't think that's hyperbole. I, I would expect to see a lot of good things out of him this year. So, it, but again, it all comes back to the offensive line. I think if, if they can produce in the running game, then the momentum is just going to be in our favor and in the running back's favor, and we can start pounding the ball again like we're used to seeing. But if that doesn't happen, it's going to be the same. It's going to look a lot like last year where we're not relying much on the running game 
and really the passes out of the back backfield become an extension of that to get the the running backs involved. Uh, but that's probably the extent of it. But I still think we're going to be better, and people may be surprised. There was uh, there. This is kind of this is not to throw shade at Travis Etienne, but there were times last year where the, there was such little running room. Like Lynn J. Dixon would come in, and like he had a little bit more uh, pace, and he let things kind of unfold a little bit. If there's one knock on Travis Etienne, it was just that he was zero to sixty. And by the way, I love that about him, but. Sometimes, especially if you have, if you have a not so great offensive line, it does help a little bit. It benefits the runner to just wait. So maybe if we're not as good as, of a blocking line, maybe a guy like Pace, a guy like Shipley, or Len J. Dixon can can scrounge together a few more yards. But um, yeah, well, I, I think, think I think I also think yeah. Len J. saw a different alignment for defenses too. You see ETN in there; they're bringing guys into the box. Um, they may, they may not be inclined to do that if our O-line can't hold up and run. But um, I, I also think, you know, maybe there won't be that. And if you have – I think, that, you know, we can't look at the, any of these things in a vacuum either. We'll get to the wide receiver position. But Clemson was not at full strength the wide, wide receiver position last year. If you have fewer playmakers able to make plays, you know, within the first two, three yards of the, of the uh, line of scrimmage – that puts a little more onus on the running game to get going. They can stack the box um, and kind of cave in, cave in those runs. So um, in that sense, I mean, I guess what we're, what I, what I know to be true of the running back position, I do feel like we have sufficient playmaking talent um, within that trio of running backs to uh, be able to, you know, if they can get that, that push up front to be able to expose defenses and, and, you know, move the chains. Um, I don't think there's a single back that's going to, you know, give you what ETN gave you, but the good part is we've got some depth there. And it, it seems like, like when you said, how good will they be against Georgia, the offensive line? There's so many good players coming in. It could be that by the end of the season and going through an ACC schedule, it could be that by the time we're in playoff, like the playoffs or that in that time of the year, we could be a completely different offensive line with completely different guys starting or in, in the rotation. So, um, and then, uh, kind of going back to running backs, like Shipley, I don't know. What do you guys think about Shipley? I seems like in terms of the praise he's gotten out of camp, it's a little unique in a good way. And got, guys don't really get the hype that they did years ago, unless it's, unless it's real. It seems like this I mean, guy's going to be pretty darn good out the box. It's almost yeah, the ben, talk, the, the tenor yeah. of the tenor of all the talk about him almost makes it feel like he's been here a year already. Um, and we've already seen what he can do in the college ranks and we can only expect him to get better with a year under his belt. So that's, it's kind of how it feels to me. Um, and again, yeah. we make the Travis Etienne comparison. We heard that when he came into camp with Will Shipley though, like we didn't know what we were getting in Travis Etienne. I don't think many people did with Will Shipley. Look, we know what we're getting. Um, but so far the, you know, the good news is it sounds like he's meeting those expectations. I think what you mean by that, Ben is Etienne's game was unpolished, unproven in many components, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, pass protection, waiting for plays to develop and leading following his lead blockers were all things that he worked on over time and really needed to develop. Uh, it seems like early returns out of fall camp are that Shipley has a lot of those things covered. Um, I think it's really remarkable that you've got Tony Elliott basically saying like, it's a coin flip decision for CJ Spiller in terms of if Shipley gets the starting 
handoff against Georgia, uh, which is a, a crazy position to be in. I think it's great. Um, my question for you guys is, I think for Georgia specifically, like definitely moving the chains is going to be at a premium. So if, if Shifley is the best option and it is, it does come in the passing game, like I would hope to see heavy doses of that as early as possible. Um, I also feel like pass protection is really critical in this Georgia game. And I don't know among that trio, like who's best suited to play that role. Do you guys, do you guys have a sense? Well, I mean, having not seen or really watched Kobe Pace closely last year because he was in, um, you know, in a lot of garbage time, just based on his size and what I've seen at Lynn J. Dixon, I would expect that he might be the better of the two. Um, Lynn J. Dixon is seasoned now. He's trusted, so I think he could hold his own. Um, Will Shipley, the good thing about him is you haven't, like he's still sticking in there. We know how much the coaches value um, protecting the quarterback as a running back, especially when you're second-string quarterback. You've been so decimated at the backup quarterback position. I know we get Tyson back, but let's see if that's not just a little gamesmanship uh, with Dabo. Um, but again, no news is good news on that front. So I think the coaches seem to have confidence in all three of these guys to be able to get it done. And I think they set the table. Listen, expect Will Shipley to play in, in one sh form or the other. I think Lynn J. Dixon probably still gets the start. You don't want to pull a, a Jamie Harper uh, Alabama game, whatever year that was, uh, where we gave 08. him the, yeah, 08, gave him the first uh, uh, handoff and he fumbled. Um I think they have confidence in all three of these guys. And the good thing about it is they all do something a little bit different. And we've got a good, we've got a good mix of guys. You got Kobe Pace, the big bruiser running back 210 pounds. Lynn J. Dixon has that great straight line speed. And the Will Shipley sounds like a, you know, a, a do it all type of guy. So I think we'll be in good shape again, as long as the offensive line can block. Yeah. I've never, I'm never like a big, like if you have more guys, like more is better. More is never better. Like we, we have, you know, you have a stable of wide receivers. Like you just need one really good wide. Well, you need a couple good wide receivers, but like when we won the championship my, uh, in 16, like Mike Williams is really our only great wide receiver. And sometimes that's all you need. And then when we won the championship in 18. We had one great running back and that was Travis Etienne. So like, I never been like a bike. Like we have more guys, a committee approach is better, but I think like what you said, Ben might be right. I want to see it play out, but different skill sets, complementary skill sets. I'm a little bit more optimistic about the running back room than I was. I'd say like in, was it, I, I think it was 2014, 2015 when like, it was like Wayne Gallman, I think CJ Fuller, um, Adam choice. It was like guys that were not. Darren Rincher was probably. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Darren Rincher. Um, he was a junior. <laughs> But it, it was it was like who could separate themselves from the mediocrity, and ultimately it was Wayne Gallman. I feel like it's a little bit different this year. I think there's some legit guys on the on the depth yeah. chart. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the optimal outcome here is we're looking at a running back room that is gives you what Georgia had back in the day uh, with Gurley, Chubb, and Sonny Michelle, or what Alabama had with like Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, and Damian Harris, and all those teams had something in common, really damn good offensive line play. Um, I think we might have lower expectations for ours, but um, the talent seems to be there. So um, anyway, I, I think the, well, let's put it, let's put it this way. You'll do more with a three-star or a, a five-star offensive line and a three-star running back than you will with a three-star offensive line and a five-star running back. I will be watching uh, Shea Malusi in, in Wisconsin. 
Yeah, he got the he got the starting nod. That's awesome. I mean, to do that at Wisconsin is no small feat. It's pretty awesome for him. So, but I don't know how many snaps he would have gotten at Clemson either. So I, I think that's a good fit. Um, guys, what you know? Why don't we keep it moving here with the offense? Uh, big story this year. Justin Ross is back. We're all very happy to see him fully recovered, able to continue with his football journey. Um, also, bringing back to this Clemson starting starting offense, Frank Ladson and Joe Spingata. Um, and then we also get um, EJ Williams back, Jojo, and um, Balin Specter. No, Brandon Specter. Balin Specter is a linebacker. I get those names confused. Um, so good amount of returning production. That said, um, Cornell Powell is gone. Amari Rogers is also gone this year. So while we've got guys with some experience and a lot of upside, um, still a little bit unproven, and particularly unproven in terms of that connection point with DJ. Um, so I, I really feel guys like this is a, is, this is a championship receiving core. Um, particularly, I mean, you, you've got it proven in Justin Ross. He also can be that vocal leader um, having done that before. Um, I think it's going to be interesting how much um, all of these, like how much all these guys are utilized and how quickly the coaching staff is to cycle other guys in. If we are continuing to see struggles from the, from the likes of Ladson and Ngata, um, cause they do have capable guys seemingly right behind them, um, able to, to take snaps. Well, you saw it last year when they put EJ Williams in there, right? Ladson was struggling and got, was struggling. Uh, they both had some injuries issues and EJ Williams came in there and did a great job. I thought, um, I wouldn't say that we have a ton of production coming back outside of Justin Ross in the production category. I wouldn't say anybody was super high on that. Uh, but there's a lot of a potential there. I think they have the potential to be a championship winning wide receiving court. The question is, do they live up to it? So there's still a lot of guys with question marks here, but there's a hell of a lot of talent. Yeah, from hearing Dabo talk about Justin Ross, I was kind of curious of how, you know how, what he was like in practice and is he and like what is he like? You know, because if you think back, he came in as a freshman four years ago now. Uh, the next year he was hurt, so he was he was solid, but he wasn't like great. And then he was obviously hurt last year. So what is this guy that's in like his fourth year? And like Dabo's like, he came, Dabo's like, he came in elite. He's, he's just on another level. And that's like, I don't know. I think they're really bullish. The coach, from what I've heard, they're really bullish on the wide receivers more so than the previous, well, more so than last year. And yeah, with, with, with Latson and, and then got it. It's just like, I don't, I won't believe it until I see it with them and no disrespect to them. It's just, it feels like they, we heard about how great they were as freshmen. I, and I haven't seen it's three, it's their third year now. I haven't seen much from them. I think they'll be good, but it, T Higgins level, Justin Ross level. I, I'm not so sure yet. Latson Latson showed something last year. Um, aside from dropping some passes, um, he, he showed ability. Um, he's got the speed. He can get open. Uh, he just needs to catch the ball. God is a little bit another story because he's had injury issues, been injury prone. And he's, he's had a hard time finding his way onto the field. Uh, but the talent levels there, like I, I wouldn't quite yet. Like I'm not going to say if uh, God goes down or can't play that. I feel really good with a Joe, Joe being in there because I don't yet. Right. We hear the coaches say how good he's going to be and all the potential he has, but you got to see it on the field. Um, this guy is he's, he's a developmental he, prospect with a very high upside. And God is going to play the two wider receiver position there, right? Which would be EJ Williams in the backup role, I believe. 
Yeah, I'm looking at the the depth chart that Dabo put out that had a bunch of people probably not in the positions they're going to play. Um, yeah, to, to mess with. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of use of the word or on that depth chart. So do with that what you will. But um, yeah, I feel like lads. Well, these guys are going to move around a lot. Like, yeah, and we'll see four wide receiver sets. I'm sure um, to try to get EJ Williams onto the field and probably a Joe a Joe as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I I do think like you don't want to talk about expendability of these guys, but um, there is talent and there, there seems to be guys making leaps in the form of a Joe Joe. And we saw a good freshman season from EJ Williams last year. Um, you know, there it's a, it's a deep room, which is nice. And, you know, if you're not necessarily getting what you need, I think it's, again, this is going to be a recurring theme, you know, against Georgia, it is going to be, what can you trust? And to your point, Ben, not a lot of returning production, but um probably the coaching staff will have a short hook to try to find, you know, maybe EJ Williams is that guy you can trust here um, on this offense. And maybe he will get, you know, a good number of snaps if, if any of those starters are not holding up their end. Well, you're not going to keep him off the field. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, we know how many receivers that Clemson plays, especially with the schedule we're going to see. The question is, does he overtake an Angata or, or Frank Latson? Um, and based on what I saw from him last year, if Ngata and Frank Latson keep having the type of years they've had, yeah, he's going to pass them. Um, but hopefully that's not the case. You know, hope, hopefully the light turns on for the other guys. He's, again, they're super talented. And combine that with the other skill position players we have on offense and the, the, the quarterback position, yeah, this offense could be really good, and we've got the wide receivers who can get it done, can get it done. We need to see it play out on the field. It's interesting that Justin Ross is in the slot this year. And look, just because he's in the slot doesn't mean he's going to be Hunter Renfer running those same route trees. I think it'll probably be a little bit more diverse and how they use him will be a little bit more unique. But we've been lacking. Like if you saw Devontae Smith for Alabama last year, just how they would use him and how that was just at the college level. It's just it, you just can't guard it. It's it's unguardable. Uh linebackers they're just they're they don't exist in college that can guard that sort of a player so like it's it'll be interesting to see you know a is that our intention with justin ross and then b um is this also just like an opportunity for uh dj to get some just open looks over the middle middle of the field and you know maybe a broad or a larger concept anyone getting anyone open over the middle of the field is that going to be a greater focus that's a really good comparison a thing to bring up cody i uh, wonder if the coaches weren't inspired by alabama and smith from last year and how they used him and that you know you know brand inspector i guess being out who would normally be in that that slot position who else behind him like how are you going to shuffle the other guys around um to get somebody there i don't know maybe that's ej williams um so maybe that's part of it just for a lack of having an experienced guy there uh, but still, nonetheless, it's a good point. I'm, I'm just, I'm super excited about seeing Justin Ross again. I think we forget how good he really is. I feel like Troy Stilato is a name. I know he's, he's been injured a little bit here in camp. He would be a guy that you probably will see get some reps later on in the season at that slot position. Um, but yeah, you know, plenty of playmakers here. Um, we haven't really talked too much about DJ himself guys and, um, really had, you know, a small sample size last year, but I think what we learned is DJ can live up in the moment, um, can handle a very difficult defense, um, can handle comeback situations and overtime situations really well. And, you know, we know the dude's got a cannon, um, in terms of kind of developmental stuff, I think a lot of it is learning the playbook 
and really getting a feel for timing and getting a feel for um, not being confused by mass coverages, that kind of thing. He's going to have a real challenge and test against Georgia. Um, I think some other kind of nitpicking stuff, remembering back from some of the musings of like quacking tiger last year, just from a mechanic standpoint, um, I think, you know, throwing the ball toward the opposite side of the field, throwing across his body, some of the accuracy kind of breaks down a little bit for DJ in that sense, but he's definitely had an off season to develop and sounds like he's been really committing himself to improving on his film study and all, all of that kind of stuff. So um, I think I'm feeling really good about that. Um, ben, you talked about kind of getting him into a rhythm with some of his receiving options. That's going to be a key against Georgia um, to, I think, to move the chains, to be honest. Um, if we can't, can't rely on the running game, you know, finding, finding any, any yards that are available there is going to be key. I don't know if that's going to be over the middle or if it's going to be kind of um, off to the sidelines or, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, that sort of thing. Um, please no bubble screens. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're feeling pretty good about DJ. Yeah, let's see. He's not going to be Trevor Lawrence. He's not going to be Deshaun Watson. He's going to be DJ. He's going to be a different type of quarterback. But I think we saw enough out of him in the two games he played last year to have a pretty high degree of confidence of how good the kid's going to be. Uh, Not only did his play on the field speak for itself, but his ability to handle the moment to come back against Boston College and stick in there against uh, Notre Dame. Um, I thought that was pretty incredible for a true freshman. We get, we've gotten spoiled because we've seen Deshaun Watson do it and Trevor Lawrence do it, but that's not normal, right? That's just not normal, but we've, we've seen it happen with him. So I'm sure he's got a lot of things to work on. Um, It doesn't mean he's a Heisman front runner out of the gate, but I think for the next couple of years, we're going to be in really good hands at the quarterback position. The question is, is the Bojangle and Dr. Pepper money just, is that compromised, DJ? I'm kidding. That's a joke. I imagine Big Dave's agent is just kind of taking care of all that stuff. Is it- I think Cody means is he consuming too many calories? Yeah. Well, we do need a. Does he move from quarterback to center midseason? Could that happen? I hope not. Okay. All right. So, DJ, it's it is weird that we haven't talked about him. Like, why is he not the focal point? I think it's because we don't know. But what we saw from a two-game sample last year was that, like, we've seen reports so far that he's not, like you said, Ben, he's not TJ, or uh, he's not Trevor Lawrence, he's not Deshaun, he, he's still, like, got some mechanical issues. But, man, I did not see any of that in the two-game sample. He was very reactive. He seemed to be very comfortable. Obviously, the arm strength is there. So, like, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not going to say he's, he's the Heisman front runner, but I, I don't have a lot of worries, and I think he has the right receiving core so far this year. Um, it wouldn't surprise me throw a 50, 50 ball. It wouldn't surprise me if he's in the Heisman conversation at the end of the year, just because I think he's going to put up a hell of a lot of stats with this offense and our schedule, but yeah, not calling him a front runner by any means out of the gate. One great, one asset he could have would be like his size and running the ball, not like Taj Boyd, uh, but just being able to get, you know, short yardage plays like on the reg on the reg, just because he's so big. I don't think with the backup quarterback situation that he's going to be able to utilize that a lot. So we're kind of back to where we were last year with Trevor Lawrence and very much of uh, Deshaun Watson's tenure too. Yeah. And Ben, we talked about that on the last time you and I chatted like Tyson Pumachan or Hunter Helms or Will Taylor or um, Billy Wiles or uh, none of those guys are really going to take Clemson to the promised land if DJ goes out 
and this team does have a lot of its goals in front of it still. I think Tyson could be serviceable against certain types of opponents, you know, in a backup capacity. Um, but I'm yeah. with you, Cody. Like, I think DJs will be utilized in the running game. Um, maybe maybe he's like a short yardage situation guy or a change of pace or um, a goal line situation. But um, I think the coaches are going to prioritize his health. Yeah, and as far as the backups are concerned, you're right. Who's a guy there who can come in, step up, and win a couple games for you if needed? If DJ gets COVID and has to sit out a couple games or he has a minor injury. And outside of the Georgia game, you know, probably three guys <laughs> for right. our regular season games that can win those two outside of maybe a couple teams here and there that would give us definitely a challenge. Yeah, and, and let's be clear, he will be running on Saturday. Like, they're going to open him up, I think, like kind of – 15 to 20 carries is like, that's when, you know, the quarterback is, is a running threat. I think that's where he'll be. I think he'll be in that like 15 carry range. And yeah. Um, keep in mind, he was, he was not running very much because he had, I can't, was it the non-throwing shoulder that was hurt uh, against BC yeah, and Notre so. Dame? Yeah. But he yeah, was he hurt. Took a, he took a shot against Miami. I don't know actually if it was a throwing shoulder, Cody, or either one. That was said non-throwing only. shoulder. Yeah. Non, yeah. Okay. But yeah, regardless, he was he he didn't have the uh, that that uh, that capability in, in those games, and now he will have that. So it'll be it'll be a little, maybe a different look. Maybe the offense will be a little bit different. Obviously, a lot will be predicated on how how uh, the, the UGA uh, pressure. Well, and not to mention he was also the backup quarterback coming in there last year too. So again, behind him at that point would have been Tyson. Uh, do you feel that Tyson would have kept us in the Notre Dame game? Probably not. So. A little bit different this year because the schedule is going to be easier, but he's the main guy. So you have to, you do need to protect him to, to a certain extent, but I think I, I tend to agree with Cody coming out of the gates against Georgia. Like you have, this is almost a month must win kind of like yeah. it's almost there. We'll Just ride. We'll tell her the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't keep. You got to win the first the bag, one. right? Yeah. Yeah. You, and don't, you got you don't SC state the next the week and probably somebody you can rest them against after that. If something happens, Georgia tech. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Um, so to round out this offense, guys, tight end, bring back same stable as a prior year, um, Braden Galloway and, um, Davis Allen are presumably going to, going to play a lot of snaps in the tight end position. I feel like in this Georgia game, certainly you could see the coaching staff try to introduce the tight end as more a key component of the offense. Um, but there are a lot of playmakers elsewhere. I would personally feel better about, you know, Go roll with Davis Allen. He, he's proven to be somewhat of a better blocking option. Um, and he definitely has been capable of catching touchdown passes too. So I think pass protection for DJ and, you know, enabling the running game is, you know, paramount and probably more important than having, you know, a fourth or fifth catching option on field. Um, so I'm, I'm completely fine with going that route tight end. We have enough guys at the tight end position that are talented enough to make some plays in the passing game that it's going to be whomever blocks the best that I think gets the call there. Guy, you didn't mention Jake Brenningstool. He's been injured, but high upside for that true freshman. So it's expected that he would see some playing time this year. Um, we'll see if he's able to come back. And if uh, they decide to hold him for four games to keep that red shirt. So guys, um, we asked the question earlier, can we see this offense being a national championship caliber offense? Clemson's offense has actually not, not costed any of the, the high profile losses. Um, definitely didn't have the performance they wanted against Ohio State and against LSU. 
um, just from an execution standpoint. But I think you can put both of those losses a little bit more on the defense. Um, my my feeling here, you got we've beaten it to death. It really depends on that offensive line. I do think it's going to be a different look come December, come early January, than what we're getting here in late August, early September. Um, I do think the team can put it together and have a national championship, like a sufficiently good O-line um, to be able to hold up. And part of my reason for that optimism is you have a lot of turnover on defensive lines across the country. If this team can prove it can get past Georgia, I don't feel like, like Georgia may have the very best defensive line in the country that is not Clemson um, in terms of national title contenders. So I feel good about this O-line continuing to get better and hold up and give this offense enough. I think the weapons are going to be a much better situation this year than last year across the board, uh, just with the guys that we have returning healthy. So um, I do, I do feel good about this being a, you know, I'm not sure where I would probably forecast this offense to come in statistically from a ranking standpoint nationally, but definitely can, you know, can get you into the the thirties and forties on a consistent basis. Well, I think that's the question. Can this offensive line be a national championship winning offense? Or sorry, can the offense in general be a national championship winning offense? Yes. But are they going to need to be the type of offense that has to put up 40 plus points or does somewhere around 30 in the national championship game get you enough? Right. So in part depends on the defense as well. Right. But I think I just, the talent, they have the ability. Um, we should feel confident going into the season. They're going to be a good offense, but um, yeah, to say they're going to be a top five, top 10 offense this year. We'll have to wait to see. My take is I think we will be a better, as strange as that is to say, because we're losing Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, generational talents. I think we're going to be better. I think we will. I, I do too. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be I think just incremental progress across every position group except for maybe quarterback and running back, um, obviously offensive line and like you said Tully you might not see it in the first game but by the end of the year I think it's a better offense. That's just Alabama had the best offensive line maybe in school history last year and like if you watch them everything was just so easy for them it was like and then meanwhile we have one of the best quarterbacks in college football history and we're having a hard time getting like two or three yards and we're having to run him risk his career uh, just to get, you know, five or six yards. I don't think, I don't see that happening this year. I feel like we're going to be a little bit improved and, and net net. What is that rank? What, what is that ranking? Like S and P ranking? I, I don't know. I don't think it matters because it's not adjusted for ACC competition, but I think we'll be a better offense. They do adjust for opponent, but we want to pick on that Cody. Um, what, one thing we didn't, we haven't talked about coaching. Uh, CJ Spiller comes in coaching the running backs, Tony Elliott able to focus on the tight ends. I think not having Tony Elliott in that Ohio state game did make a difference down the stretch in terms of adjustments. I don't think there's any offensive adjustments that could have won that game for us, but I think it did, it did play a role. Um, having some of that continuity in the coaching staff, I think it's going to be important. And um, Tony Elliott does not get enough credit. So I, I think, you know, in him, we trust. And again, the Clemson offense hasn't really cost us too many games before. So um, we know he can get it done and they definitely got the talent. I mean, he's led this offense. He's been the shot caller for an offense that has put, you know, 40 on Bama a couple times in national championship games. So, I mean, you combine that with the talent. I think we feel good where we're at with, with Tony Elliott. I, I think we tend to take him for granted a little bit. And some of it, I think it's justified the vanilla play 
early in the year. There's been some frustration from the fan base because of that. But I think when you look at his body of work, you know, it's there. Yeah, I mean, one question, Ben, is he's going to have to buck that trend against Georgia. I think that he will. I mean, there's yeah. reasons why they kept, you know, kept the cards close to the vest early on in the season, all of those seasons. We, of course, as fans, want to see him open it up, want to see our quarterbacks produce high level stats. I think in a playoff caliber matchup against a Georgia, there's no reason to kind of keep keep any of the plays, you know, in the playbook and not and not release that out there to try to get the win. Because um, it's yes, it's a win for our season. I think it's also meaningful from a standing of the program and a recruiting standpoint too. We're head to head with Georgia on so many recruits. Well, guys, uh, good good look there at the offense. Why don't we before we flip it over to D, we want to introduce a new segment. I'm going to hand it over to Ben. Ben's going to read us some mean tweets. Lugubrious means to look sad and disappointed. Thanks, Tully. So this year we have something uh, new in store for all our listeners, uh, a new segment we call Mean Tweets for a lack of creativity and a better name. But essentially, we're going to read you some of our funniest one and two star iTunes reviews on the air just to kind of get back to our fans. You know, we did this a couple of years ago where we gave fans shout out for hitting us up uh, on social media or iTunes reviews. And we kind of got lazy and got away from that. But it was good fan interaction. So we thought we'd go the opposite way this year. And, and go with the folks who have been mean to us. Luckily, there haven't been a lot of them. So uh, this year, we're going to kick it off. Um, our first one comes from about a year ago from a user called Mr. Ploppy. That's right. We're being criticized by Mr. Ploppy. Um, lacking enthusiasm. Yeah. Two-star review. I thought these guys would be as excited about Clemson football as I am. Yeah, I was disappointed. And yeah, the one guy says yeah every time he talks. It's a sentence starter. Yeah. Go Tigers. Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Ploppy. We appreciate your feedback for being a longtime loyal listener. Uh, what you may not know about Cody is he actually grew up with a speech impediment and a little bit of a list that made him sound like a, kind of an effeminate Southern gentleman. And he's really used the podcast to work through that. So, um, you know, he may have his kind of crutch words. And yeah, yeah, maybe one of them, but uh, overall, he's doing much better. And I think uh, we all think here he should be commended for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's helped me defense. tremendously. Yeah. All right, guys, this is the side of the ball that I'm most excited to talk about here. Clemson, once again, is going to have a defense predicated on generating pass rush with four down linemen. Obviously, we're going to see blitzes coming from Brent Venables. The way that the season ended the last two years, I think you can put pretty clearly on the defensive performance. I don't think it was starting caliber talent that you can hang that on. A lot of it was, you know, thinness of depth, thinness of experience coming coming back to bite us. You could you could attribute some of that to recruiting challenges. We've covered those in depth and extensively. I think this is the year when the defense gets back to a position where there is a lot of four-star, five-star talent across all three levels, decent enough, serviceable enough amount of depth at all three levels. And you are going to see potentially a top one or two defense in the country on this side of the ball from Clemson with the caveat that there may be one or two position groups where we have a little bit of a thin margin for error. And what's great here is um, you return lots of starting caliber talent. And we're actually also similar to the offensive side, bringing guys back that, um, were contributors in the 2019 season and, and prior to that, you're also getting that to some extent here on the defensive side too. So 
Um, this is the group I'm most excited about for this season. There's also the matter of Brent Venables needing to prove to college football, Clemson fans and the team alike, um, that some of the challenges that, that afflicted the team against Ohio State that you could point to coaching um, were a fluke and were not endemic of the direction of this Clemson defense. So I'm also looking forward to a, a Brent Venables revenge redemption tour because uh, that guy's a maniac. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So you could say all of Clemson's great defenses probably had a couple position groups where there was a, a thin margin. Uh, but I can tell you where we where we're not thin this year, and that's on the defensive line, maybe with the exception of um, considerable depth at the defensive tackle position. But otherwise, across the line, I mean, we've talked about this all all August long. Um, they're going to be a phenomenal unit. And again, we, we sound like a broken record here, but their play and their elevated play and their ability to dominate is going to make the back seven that much better. If the offensive line sets the, <laughs> sets the floor for the team, then the defensive line sets the ceiling for the team. So like, cause the defense just out the box is going to be, I don't know, top five. Like they have Venable as they have Jamie Skalski in his 12th year. They have Nolan, Nolan Turner, Nolan Turner Spectre. He came in with Hunter Renfro. Um, so yeah, they have, the, they have all this experience. They have all the parts. So like, I, but I think ultimately like if, for this team to reach their ceiling, uh, national championship caliber, they have to be, they have to resemble something like closer to the power Rangers. And I don't know, I don't know if it's, it, it's not going to be as good as the power Rangers, but if, if it's, if it's like 80% is good, I think that's like sufficient. And then it's the, the cascades of, uh, of effect after that. So like you said, Ben, it's going to make the secondary better, but I think they're going to be better along all three levels over last year. I think, I think it's got to be the defense. I mean, the offense is going to be very good. It's not going to be 2018 level offense. So, but we don't, we, we didn't even need a 2018 level offense that year. <laughs> like, we needed 74 points. Yeah. Was it 44 to 16? Um, That's right. So, you know, if this, the better this defense is, the more pressure it's going to take off the offense. And, you know, I'm, I'm really high on these guys. Are they going to be power uh, Power Rangers level? Probably not. Like that's a that's that's a tough um, that's a tough target to hit. But even the slightest step down from there is going to mean they're an amazing defensive line, amazing defense. Yeah, and what what we loved about the Power Rangers is those guys played most of the snaps that season and were so versatile. They didn't really need to get spelled all that much. I think what's great about this defensive line is that you have a really deep level of talent and some good experience. And you've got a lot more guys that can be used situationally and in a specialist capacity. So that based on the down and distance, based on the opponent and what they're throwing at you, I'm not going to say that, you know, the, the, the whole can be more than the sum of its parts here. Um, but it is something where I think you can get actually pretty close to that level of production of the power Rangers with, you know, slotting in different guys in different situations. And um, we, you know, let's not necessarily drill into every guy in this defensive line. I think we, we all know the, the household names here. Um, getting a guy back like Justin Foster and getting Xavier Thomas back to full strength this season, I think both of those contributions, you know, when you add that to the, the true freshmen from last year that are coming along, um, really exceptional amount of depth that you've got here. Well, and I think that's the difference between this team in 2018 is that there is more depth across this defensive line. 
Yep. So, you know, that, that helps you if you, again, knock, knock on wood, sustain an injury, or again, you find yourself in a situation where they're gashing, you know, what our starting lineup throws out there, we've got options and you can, you can be multiple. Um, one, I mean, one thing worth pursuing here, guys, across this defense, though, is um, some of the challenges from the past happen mostly in the secondary. I think what's still potentially an issue here is linebackers and pass coverage as well. And that is really where, you know, having a solid defensive front can speed up the play clock uh, for that, that opposing quarterback and opposing offense to need to get the ball out sooner. Um, if you're not able to generate pressure, which we weren't certainly in 2020 um, with some injuries happening. And in 2019, just that was the year we were regrouping from the power Rangers leaving, um, not being able to generate that pressure puts just a, a bigger magnifying glass on lack of talent or lack of depth in the back end. So while I think in the past we've seen the linebacking core not necessarily hold up in pass for in, you know, dropping back against opposing wide receivers and tight ends. I don't think they're going to be asked to do as much in that aspect of the, of the defense, considering the pressure we're likely to get. Right. And I think you're kind of hitting it or trend Simpson, like where's he going to be when you talked about like the diversity of the, the things that Clemson can throw at you. And one of those things is Trent Simpson, but like the downside of his game is can he cover? And I, who knows if that's even going to matter in the first, you know, 12 games of the year, but to like a larger point coming out of fall camp, like I've seen a lot of, there's always stories about freshmen. Everyone wants to know about the new toys, right? What's going on with this freshman? What's going on with this freshman? I've, I've cared less about, uh, the freshmen this year than any other year, because like there's so many freshmen that we don't know how good they could be this year, including Trenton Simpson and Brian Bercy and Miles Murphy. Like usually you see the biggest leap from year one to year two with like the great players, like Clowney, uh, Daquan Bowers, Cleveland Farrell. I think like they could be amazing this year. Like the leap that they could take could be amazing, including Trenton Simpson. So, uh, but him in particular, because it's really hard to master the sand position where you have to, you have to be in, you know, slip back into kind of a coverage at times. Um, and, but if you saw him athletically just last year, the things he can do, it's, there's no one else outside of Isaiah Simmons that looks like him that Clemson's had in the last 15 to 20 years. Well, and they, it was all the multiple things he could do, right? They also brought him up as a kind of a de facto defensive end at times uh, rushing off the edge. So, yeah, he's super multiple in his abilities and what he can do. Um, but I think to the earlier point, there's a lot of different tools in this tool belt, right? Depending on the scheme, depending on the personnel, I think we're a little bit deeper now across the board, um, at least with the front seven, uh, to be able to switch some things in and out uh, to kind of, uh, you know, put your best on best, depending on who we're playing. Strength on strength. In terms of true freshman contributors to this defense, too, a um, couple names that we're going to throw out there, and we'll, we'll definitely get into the secondary here. Um, Barrett Carter, he's a name um, definitely lauded by the coaching staff coming through camp. Um, a lot of guys in front of him on the depth chart, but I, I do think Barrett Carter is going to be a guy to, to watch for a name, particularly after the Georgia game. We get a lot more you know, snaps for a deeper stable of guys on the team. Um, he could be a playmaker and actually challenge for snaps down the stretch at the linebacker position. Um, and another name here is going to be Andrew Makuba. He is a safety prospect coming in from Texas. Um, the safety position is going to be one where I think we're, we're actually hopeful to have a little bit more depth and a little bit better upside play 
you know, top end play from our starters this year. Uh, but Makuba is a guy, you know, in dime packages that can come in and be a problem for opposing offenses uh, that definitely hoping to see him hit the field. Uh, but guys, I think in the secondary, you know, that that was the elephant in the room last year in terms of the contributions we got. And um, I think some stuff has come out about the play of Landon Zanzers um, last year. I'm pretty sure we criticized, you know, his play a fair amount on the podcast. Um, turns out he was working with, uh, it was like two injuries in one. There was definitely a torn labrum. And I know he had some shoulder dislocation issues. It actually affected his play such that he was taking different angles on tackles and just really impacted by that injury that translated to poor play on the field. And I think we saw that throughout the season. Safety was just a giant, giant question mark and a giant hole in this defense um, that ended up costing us down the stretch against Notre Dame and then later against Ohio State. Um, Xanders is back. He's healthy. Nolan Turner is back. He's healthy. Um, and you have Charleston and you got the likes of Makuba behind them. So while this, this probably is, you know, the weak spot of the defense along with um, question marks at the cornerback position, I don't know if it's as big of a weak spot maybe as we had down the stretch last year. And it could be like offensive line where there's just naturally going to be, you know, things with COVID protocol coming back and guys able to practice together all season that we're just naturally going to see some improvement here. Well, and I think, you know, what you bring back an experience with Nolan Turner and then Landon Zanders in year three, looking more like an, an improved version of year one, I think we'd be just fine at the safety position, at least from the starters. The question is, what is the drop off from there? And you do have guys like Charleston Phillips, um, who have been in the program for a little bit. RJ Mickens is a sophomore. Uh, look to see him getting more playing time. As far as Makuba goes, I actually expect you'll see him more probably pop up on the field as a cornerback. I mean, he's been training there heavily uh, during August camp, also at the safety position. But I think they're looking at that uh, as a guy who can provide a little bit more depth to a cornerback position that is a little more shallow. Yeah, and Andrew Booth, I just said, yeah. So the coaches have been talking Booth up, and I, I don't know if that's because he really is doing that great in fall camp or if it's or if it's just a thing of getting him, making him that alpha like guy that he can be. But I'm with you, Tully, like, bigger point. I'm not, I'm not so worried about the secondary. I think we'll be just fine in that, you know, take away like how good the defensive line can be. I, I think it's just going to be a veteran group. Landon Xanders, I think he'll be, he'll be fine when he's not really injured. He'll take much better angles. And then I guys, who's going to be the the corner opposite Mr. Booth. Cause that's a, that's a big question right now starting. Well, and, and Ben, you, you brought up this point. We were on the text chat earlier among the three of us. Yeah, Fred Davis, he's listed as a starting. I, I'm not sure if it's the field or the boundary corner, but opposite booth. Dabo's coach speak on that. Uh, you can leave to interpretation. I, at some stage, I feel like Fred Davis is going to have to face up to uh, putting a, a postal worker into the hospital um, for that unfortunate incident. And Cody, like season long, probably Fred Davis is our answer for that. Uh, but Mario Goodrich, you know, he's back. He's got the experience there. Um, he's not a Mac Alexander or Tankersley level cornerback, but serviceable Mario Goodrich. Yeah. Then you got Malcolm Green, um, a guy who saw some playing time last year, another sophomore with high upside. Um, I think the depth is a bit of an issue. We still don't know what we're going to get out of Mario Goodrich. 
Um, we've, we've seen him play for three years, but it hasn't been like super high level. He's dependable and he's probably going to take a step forward this year. You would hope it's Fred Davis. Let's see. Um, if he actually does play in this game or if he sits, I predicted a four game suspension and not saying that because we're saying, Oh, this is the type of character, blah, blah, blah. The, the Dabo, um, the Dabo has any exhibits. It's because this is what he's done before, right? We've seen a precedent set and because he didn't answer the question directly, that leads me to, to believe that that's tongue in cheek. Yeah. He's not, he's available, but he's not playing. Well, why would they put like, that's not like Dabo. It's not what he's done in the past. It's you're out two games or whatever. And he makes, you know, it's Deion Kane, uh, Ammon Lake up like those guys that have Sammy Watkins. Yeah. Right. It like, it's, it's kind of a swift decision. I, what's you might've been on? building up to this Cody. Well, yeah, what's, what's going different on is I don't know. we got a, we got a, big time opponent first game of the year and we talked about you know we made fun about kirby not releasing a depth chart davos depth chart is not <laughs> very truthful it's like a three deep right it's <laughs> like there's four, four deep, guys like listed deep. as the starting uh uh nickel linebacker strong strong the sam four guys sam linebacker all oars. yeah yeah Right. Pretty sure you can still only put 11 guys on the field. So I think the, the main question here for defense is what type of offense in this country is going to challenge this defense and expose some of the aspects that we've pointed out are like, you know, yeah, we hope these guys take us up forward. I think there's two answers to that question. And I, I don't know that we're going to actually learn a whole heck of a lot against Georgia this weekend because of how limited they are on the offensive side in terms of capable playmakers and what JT Daniels gives you. Um, George will be fine. They do have talent, but it's not to the degree of an Ohio state or an Oklahoma. And both of those teams, I would say Oklahoma more by scheme and by what Spencer Rattler gives you and Ohio state more by bringing back a ridiculous stable of wide receiver talent. Um, they're going to be able to challenge our defense. And that's where it's just going to be absolutely critical for that D line to get home. Uh, because I, I think both of those offenses could expose Clemson's secondary, even if we think that they're they're not going to be nearly as bad. If they, we think they're even going to be good, I don't know that it's a great secondary. And against you know that type of offense, uh, offensive attack that you get from both of those teams, could be could be a trick a tricky challenge. Well, I think we all kind of feel that the the defenses are going to dominate this game. So I feel more confident going into this one that we're going to see out of the defense what we expect to see out of this defense. So kind of what we talked about on the offense in the last segment is kind of this game aside, what is this defense going to be in the long run, right? And so my question is, is this defense going to be at a point at the end of the season we go into the playoffs that even if our offense is not, you know, the best in the nation or looks like the 2018 offense, can we still win a national championship because of how good this defense is? And so that's the question. Um, the talent says yes. On paper, it says yes. Again, you got to see it play out on the field, but I think that's the question for this defense is ultimately how good they can be. Can they be a number one defense in the nation? Possibly. There is an adage, and Cody, I'm curious if you kind of picked up on this um, following some of the national punditry. I think there's this concept right now in college football that elite offense can beat even elite defense. And I don't know that I agree with that because Alabama's offense in the 2018 season was the second coming. Like that was at the time, you know, believed to be the best offense of all time. 
and we held them to 16 points with very elite defensive play. Um, LSU, yes, that was an elite offense. They did not play a full-strength, fully elite Clemson defense that year and beat them. They crushed Oklahoma. Oklahoma did not have a good defense. So we didn't really see it in 2019. And then this last year, Ohio State's defense and Notre Dame's defense, neither of which were all-time levels of elite. So my thing is, like, if Clemson's defense can actually live up to its ceiling and the secondary can improve to that that greatness level, and you can get that sort of, like, first-round draft pick play out of Booth, you know, really good consistency out of the safeties, uh, Trent Simpson takes a leap, that sort of thing. I think we could get back to the type of situation where it is 2018 Clemson level output against even the likes of Ohio state or Oklahoma. Uh, But so much of that Alabama game was predicated on a bend, but don't break between the twenties. And then in the goal line situation, the power Rangers just stifling that, that offense. Um, You're going to need to see that type of a performance as well, but just curious. I mean, yeah, we've seen college football, the pendulum swing more toward high potent offenses I still maintain you can see the right type of defense shut that down. You're right, because we, we really haven't seen an elite def- I guess the, 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 the elite defense that, that comes to mind like in the most recent seasons is the 2018 Clemson team. And then historically good offense in 19 and 20 with LSU and then Bama. So it's tough to say that it's tough to say that offenses are outpacing defenses right now. The, the example, the counter example would be exactly what you pointed out, Tully, 2018's Clemson versus Bama, because that was a historically good offense that just got shut down. Um, granted, they were moving the ball fairly well against us that game, but yeah, neither here, here nor there. But uh, it, it'll be interesting. I, I, one thing that we, we don't know yet is will there be elite offenses in college football? Will there, will there be any elite defenses um, this, this season? I or will, will there be any teams that look like 19 LSU, 20 Alabama, or even 2018 Clemson? I, I don't think there will be. I don't see any. We didn't think that was going to happen in 2019 either. Then, you know, out, out sure. comes LSU. Yeah, I mean, tons of questions across the board. I think like all the all the playoff contenders are placing quarterbacks except for Oklahoma. Uh, a lot of questions remain about Oklahoma's defensive identity and can they keep teams under 30 points? I'll believe that when I see it. So yeah, Cody, like on paper, there's not really any team that from a defensive standpoint that really stands out. Uh, Georgia themselves, our first opponent, like very well coached, a lot of good talent. They recruited well, uh, but they're replacing a lot of guys in their secondary. Darion Kendrick went there. Um, We'll see what Darion Kendrick we face off against on Saturday. Um, You know, can't say enough good about, you know, what he did at Clemson, but um, there, there were some exposable holes in his game. So um yeah, I, I think like you could, no one knows till we, till we see these games play out, but there is not that for that front runner team in the country. And I think people are just penciling Alabama in as like any time in the past we've had questions, they end up stepping up and filling the void. Yeah. And I can't blame people for that. Then, you know, seeing their body of work under Nick Saban. Right. I'll take it back just like we did on the offense. It's going to be down to the defensive line. And I know it's cliche to say that the game is one of the trenches, but in this case, for this season, for this team, those are the the question marks. 
on the defensive side of the ball, can this defensive line dominate enough to a cover the weaknesses of some of the other position groups where we maybe don't have like the most talent we've ever had and maybe a little thin there and also to compensate an offense that may not be averaging 35, you know, points, 40 points a game. Um, and when you read down the names of the guys on the defensive line on the, on the, the starters and the two deep, even reaching into the three deep, there's a lot to be excited about there. And I think you're going to see a very dominant defensive line this year. And I think it's going to be more back to that 2018 level. This is going to be a special defense. I think on offense, we're still about a year away from them really being able to explode. I think for the defense that, that this year they're ready for it. Something I wanted to talk about guys is, also just the the feeling and the identity of this defense. Like I think we're Ben, you just touched on the star power, the names. Uh, when I think back to some of the Alabama defenses that we faced off in the 2015 season, Natty, the 2016 season, Natty, those were those were known as you know potent, physical, turn you over, score touchdowns type of Alabama defenses. Ultimately, Clemson should have prevent. You know, Clemson definitely got theirs against both of those teams. Uh, but that's the kind of thing that that this Clemson team could end up being known for. I think that the 2015 through 18 classes uh, really saw the emergence of the Power Rangers. That's whatever that's what we keep referring to. Obviously, there were 11 guys plus the bench that were contributing those years. But just it'll be interesting to see what kind of identity plays out from this defense and what they end up being known for. I'd love it if if they if they move into that kind of turn the ball over territory. It's completely possible. Um, just just looking at the the kind of beasts that they've got up front. Um, one dude's name, I'm, I think I'm most excited to just see you take that first year to second year leap, Cody, that you talked about, Brian Brzee. Like for me, um, just seeing that guy ever since he was, you know, purported to be coming to Clemson through his entire recruitment period, through his first year, um, just can't wait to see him get loose against opposing offenses. So I think per se and, and Murphy are the two obvious choices uh, for the answer to that question. But let me remind you, we never really saw the jump from year one to year two of Tyler Davis just because he was injured last year. So we kind of get that this year fully healthy. That's what I'm excited to see. He was very good. I mean, you kind of wonder how how much up he was just so good as a freshman. You wonder how much upside he is. He's not the same like physical specimen, but man, it it really is like the the, have you seen him on a jet ski, Cody? No, have you been watching him on a jet ski? That's kind of weird. You got to watch the vlog, man. It's a sight. So Tyler Davis might not be the same physical specimen as Brian Mercier and Miles Murphy, but he was, he's just such a known commodity. He was, he was really good as a freshman. Put those three guys together. Year two of these, of these studs with Tyler Davis. 80% of the Power Rangers. That's all we need. Yeah, and ideally, he, Ben, he does make that like year one to year three leap. He stays healthy. I think if you get what we saw in that LSU game season out of Tyler Davis, like knowing the the guys around him, that defensive line is going to be a okay. But I, I also do expect some type of a step forward for him. It's going to be the best unit on this team, Vinny position group. It's going to be the defensive line. Um, the wide receivers have an opportunity to be the second if they live up to their height. But um, yeah, defensive line number one. Very well. So this brings us to special teams. Same guys back. 
nothing really to report. I think the the big changes on this side of the ball will likely be in number one, the coaching duties are moving over to Mickey Kahn. I think that's that's not a minor change. I want to shout out John McElhaney's piece over at STS that was released today. Um, encourage people to go out and read that one. But at a high level, you also have uh, returning the returning duties now being handled by more of what I would consider to be solid playmakers on this team. Um, did you guys know, I need to go back and look at the exact stat, but how many kick return touchdowns Clemson's had in the last 10 years? Kick return touchdowns in the last how many years? 10 years. 10 years. Hasn't uh, been so many. That will not include CJ Spiller. Um, I'm going to say uh, one. No, I'm sure Ellington had one or two. Um, I mean, I know Sammy had one, I believe, or maybe that was a punt off. return. No, he, it, doesn't he was, ha- it doesn't happen often. The answer, guys, is one. So um, over the decade post CJ Spiller's departure, Clemson had four total return touchdowns. Three of those were punts. Um, and the only kickoff was Sammy Watkins against Maryland in that miracle comeback game that nearly gave me a heart attack in 2011. Um, in the decade, including CJ going back to 2001, Clemson had 22 kicks and punts returned for touchdown. So 22 versus four. Well, Danny Pearman, thank you for your service. Part of that has to do with a guys like CJ Spiller. Like he was a different type of talent. I don't think people understand that just a completely different type of talent that we've seen here. Um, ETN is his own different dude. Um, CJ Spiller was a shifty um, and like he was a home run threat every time. The other thing is, that also coincides with kind of the rise of our offense becoming dominant. So to what extent do you kind of play it safe, take the ball on the, on the 20 um, and let your offense go from there uh, versus, you know, possibly no, you know, fumbling the ball on the kick return. No doubt. It's, it's a function of that. It's a function of the rule change to move the kickoffs forward um, to encourage more, more touchbacks. Like there are a lot of factors going into that. Um, I just thought it was a remarkable number and Look, Clemson does not has not needed does not need special teams points to win championships, um, but it is something that you know I think there are enough playmakers here where um, you could start to see that become more of more of this team's identity and what they're able to execute. But guys, from a return game standpoint, Justin Ross right now is listed as the punt returner. Don't know how I feel about that with him coming off a neck injury, but he certainly has playmaking capability and he's shifty, um, so that could be interesting. For me, it's about field position more so than the threat of scoring. Um, John, in his piece, pointed out some really interesting stats about Clemson's prowess with re- kick return and punt return touchdowns. Really interesting stats around that. But that really is not a part of this team's identity. Um, you're going to have some of the running back stable doing kick return duties this year. We know there's athleticism with those guys. But um, for me, field position you know, with this offense and with question marks at the running game uh, I want as short a field as possible. So if that means take those touchbacks on kick returns to set GJ up, like I'm good with that. If that ends up being, you know, a better average starting position for us. Yeah, I think that's what you'll see. We've had such a luxury over the past several year- years of just having a really dominant offense uh, with generational quarterbacks and veteran, you know, best running backs in school history. And we don't, we don't have that this year, at least not proven yet. 
So to what extent do they take a few more chances in the return game to try to get some extra yards? I think you could certainly see that happen. The question is, who does it? Um, I think, you know, for me, it's probably going to be between Lin Jay and Will Shipley, who have the highest upside there and the, and the greatest potential. Yeah, I mean, said, yeah. I agree, Ben. I think a knee-jerk reaction that we can sometimes have is, let's not put our most important playmakers in a position where they could get injured on those plays touch wood. We know that's always a potential outcome, but it doesn't happen that often. And I think those are the kind of guys that are likeliest to make, to break the biggest plays and to make that big of a difference. So uh, those two dudes can definitely get it done. Whether Kobe pace does reps there, or Mikey Dukes, I know he's going to be looking for a way to contribute on this team. Maybe that is an opportunity for him to be a specialist and, you know, find an opportunity to find himself on like an NFL special team squad in the future. Yeah. I mean, bottom line across all of the special teams, we got a lot of guys returning BT Potter. You know, what you're going to get out of him. He's hopefully improved a little bit, but he can hit clutch kicks and he can kick it a long way. Will Spires. He's gotten better every year. Can he average like 42 yards a punt this year? We'll see, but he's solid enough that, you know, he'll do as a punter. Um, and in the return game, it's just kind of, you know, plug and play, stick some guys in there, see what happens. Maybe your strategy changes to go for it a little more often. But I think we can confident with with any of the guys who throw out there. So, I mean, that's the bottom line with special teams. I don't think it's going to necessarily be a game change. I mean, it could it stand to make game changing plays in tight contests such as Georgia or a playoff game or an ACC championship game. Um, but for the most part, you know, I think we know what to expect. Um, the only lone you know, thing I have to say about special teams is, uh, and this will probably be the only time we say his name all year, and hopefully it's the case, Jack Maddox. That name should be familiar to everybody right now because he's been on the team like seven years. Um, but he's still the long, long snapper. And I'll take an experienced long long snapper um, who's not only up there in age, but also, in, you know, the amount of snaps that he's had, amount of games that he's played. So that's a big deal too. Ben, I think we should find a way to sponsor him through NIL from the podcast. Let's work on that. Let's do it. All right. That is your team. Um, Lot to look forward to. Really stacked team. In many ways, I think the future is bright in terms of recruiting, seeing a lot in the def- defensive secondary, defensive line, offensive line. You know, the future is bright in those areas. We're set at quarterback for years to come. Playmakers are always going to be there for Clemson. I don't view this necessarily as a bridge year. In some some regards, you could see it like that. I think this is as much a year as we've had in the last three to four to five, where this could be a, a championship team, mainly because there isn't that clear opposing team that looks like a front runner. So that's fun, guys. You know, more of the same. We got to appreciate this era while we're in it. And, you know, I think we've got a, a potential national title contender on our hands. Um, there's a lot of lot of streaks up for you know continuity as well here in terms of the ACC consecutive matchups with South Carolina. We get them back on the schedule, um, consecutive playoff appearances, like all those things are at play. So a lot of in- interesting goals. I also think what we get in this season, and we don't have to go week by week breaking down the schedule, but um, a couple of matchups in addition to South Carolina, I'm looking forward to uh, matching up against Florida State. Last year, we had Trevor Lawrence's return game canceled due to some weird COVID decision stuff going on. Um, I think that's going to be a rowdy atmosphere October 30th. And then uh, we get Dave Doran back on the schedule in week four. 
uh, or it's, yeah, I think it is truly the fourth week of the season. So uh, both of those I'm looking forward to. We're going to have to manufacture intrigue. Ben and I kind of talked about that. Um, if the schedule's rough, if we don't have elite opponents or even position groups on the t- opposing teams challenging Clemson, we got to find, way- find ways to keep entertained. I'm excited about the Georgia game and then the game that comes after South Carolina. And, and I'm excited about <laughs> Fansville, uh, the Dr. Pepper commercials because yeah. i've only seen one with dj it sounds like it's going to be like pretty much like a tv show all right so i am really ex- i'm excited about this team i make no mistake and i've i've not held this back the schedule sucks like it sucks as a college football pl- uh, fan did you see what like fresno state did to uconn the other night they beat them like 54 to nothing what the hell do you think is going to happen on november 13th when they come to town like they're gonna get slaughtered they're gonna be worse than south carolina state um, and then the rest of the ACC sucks. I mean, your storylines, yeah, the, let's get back at Florida State, but that's going to be a beatdown, right? Um, Dave Dorn, probably a beatdown at NC State. Like, they're, they're not going to be close games. But um, I'm looking forward to see how the players develop. Um, we're going to learn a lot in the Georgia game. And I actually think the season becomes a lot more interesting should we lose that Georgia game. It gets interesting, Ben, but it gets a lot more annoying because all, we are going to hear so much more about Clemson's schedule. Here's well, what's going to play out. If we beat Georgia, we'll start number one. We will have the best win all season uh, until you know some stuff plays out later. We may, we may end up not having the best win all season. Ultimately, I think Clemson will get surpassed from being number one and we'll move down in the pecking order. We'll still make the playoff, presuming we get through the Coastal opponent and the ACC title game, and then that'll be that. If we lose... I don't know at what point Clemson creeps back into the top four. We're pretty sure it will happen. It depends on who to have some, Right, it does. And then you, we'll control our fate to some extent. But that is a scenario where you may need Clemson to be putting up style points against certain types of opponents. And you may see more DJU in there than otherwise. So, it, you know, it's not all bad. Um, I just, for one, want to avoid all of the wringing of hands about how bad Clemson's schedule is and how we're not deserving of a playoff spot. So the question is, do you want a playoff spot that you assume you'll get after winning the first game and then running the table? Or do you want a Heisman for DJ, which is assuming you lose the first game, then he plays a ton and we have to beat people down for style points and he just puts up ridiculous 12-0. Yeah, exactly. I want 12-0. Exactly. I don't think Dabo does style points. He's too stubborn. He's like, no, we're, we win. We went out. We're going to get in. I've heard him say that a million times. He, he's, he's not stupid, though. Like, he'll do what he has to do to put Clemson yeah. in the best position uh, to make the college football playoffs. And this year, more than any, our schedule's never extremely difficult, but this year, more than ever. Um, like, if you lose that first game, you're going to have to work hard to get back there. And maybe this is better saved for another episode, but. If, if they want to do some kind of merger with the Pac-12 and, and Big Ten, like, please, please, like, the ACC is so abysmal, and it's not going to get any better anytime soon. Well, to your point, Tully, that's also the reason you see to t- – it doesn't matter. If Clemson win or, wins or loses this game, there's going to be an argument for why they shouldn't be the number one or in the playoffs. And a lot of that has to do with ESPN and the talking heads there. Um, and you just can't listen to it. You have to tune it out. Like we know, we've heard it from them before. And now this year's different because they're on the SEC bandwagon now. Um, you know, they're putting all their money, um, you know, with the SEC, right? 
and putting all their eggs in one basket. So they're going to be high. They've, they've already been doing it. Talking up right. Oklahoma. Great. Yeah. Yeah. We all know the story about Oklahoma. Yep. I mean, it's nothing new. I'm just saying it'll be annoying and yeah, you can tune it out. I'm an addict then I'm addicted to this sport. I follow it on, I don't watch as much ESPN, but certainly online, social media, et cetera. And uh, there's no escaping it. So do you think there would be a market for, uh, for folks uh, who wanted to watch the game, but not hear the ESPN announcers and instead they could tune into us, just talk about it live as it's going on. <laughs> that exists. I can't remember what it's called, but that doesn't exists. Ex- doesn't exist for the podcast. Well, just saying, leave your, leave your kids at home or turn it down. PG 13 audio feed coming, coming to you live. Uh, I don't know, Ben, I don't know that I'm up for that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll have to talk about it. Um, all right, guys. So again, let's not break the schedule down. Let's make our predictions here of how we see the regular season playing out who you guys like coming out of the coastal. I think we're all clear. It's either 11 and one or 12 and 0 Clemson. Do the yays have it? I think we're pretty clear on that. Um, and chances are it's a Georgia game. I just don't really see, I mean, this Clemson team will now outside of the fluky Notre Dame game last year, you know, it's been, we had a scare against Syracuse in 2018, uh, 2017 had the weird injured Kelly Bryant game against Syracuse. Uh, there was Pitt. uh, there were some scares other than that, but it's really no longer the case even where Clemson has that mental lapse or that hiccup game. Obviously injury could play a role here, but I, most years we even caveat and we're like, Oh, they could have a, a slip up. I'm no longer saying that and thinking that. Well, it's probably gonna be the one, if there is one, it's probably the one team you didn't say. And that's at Louisville um, after the Florida state game uh, in November. Uh, so yeah, you never be a know. weird one. Right. But yeah. Across or the Pitt, board. Or at Pitt. Yeah. yeah at top place. Th- to th- those could be the two, but the likelihood of that happening is, is very low. Um, sure. So I think we're all pretty confident in Clemson winning the Atlantic handily, either undefeated or, you know, with a, a loss to Georgia, then they run it 11 in a row. Uh, for my money, I think it probably is going to be North Carolina, but I don't think they're going to be an 11 and one North Carolina or a 10 and two. I think that's a three loss coastal champion um, at, at least the two loss. and at least the two loss. Right. And, you know, potentially a three. So um, probably North Carolina could be Miami. And then if it's not either of those two, it is a, uh, it is a grim coastal after that. And that's what the coastal does to be honest. So maybe we shouldn't be that surprised. Um, I just really don't foresee the likes of like a Virginia tech rising up, staying healthy enough um, to, you know, to challenge with like a, a top 15 type team this year. So our, our best hope, honestly, we should all be rooting for an undefeated North Carolina or, you know, cause they're preseason, what, like top 10, top 15 right now. Number 10. If they can hold that, keep that up. Um, you know, they, chances are they will maintain in that top 10. Um, all the other biases and whatnot aside, I think we could definitely use that type of, that type of matchup and that type of team and definitely the resume boosting clout of that game. Uh, I'm just not predicting that. You guys think Miami or anybody else will do it? I think it's only between North Carolina and Miami. I mean, and it's not, I think it's this year because those two teams are actually just head and shoulders above the rest of the competition in that division. Um, yeah, they're way I more think, talented, I think those, right? the, those two teams have separated from the pack in that regard. 
Um, right. I, I think you give it, to, it. Yeah, it's hard to know. You got two good quarterbacks on both teams between how Sam Howe with North Carolina and Derek King for Miami. So that'll actually be a fun battle to watch. And I think you know that's the one rare opportunity you're going to have to tune into some ACC games and actually see a, a quality team playing. Cody, who do you like? I mean, I would go with UNC because I I know who Sam Howell is. I don't know the quarterback for Miami. Uh, Derek King. Derek King. We, we played him last year. We played him last year. Yeah. He didn't look very good against Clemson, though. Yeah, I didn't. Miami hasn't in a while. Right. All right, so I think we're expecting to get through that that uh, that that ACC championship game unscathed. Um who do you guys like in the playoff this year? I mean, it's probably a pretty clear cut and dried kind of top five situation. Do you think anyone not named Oklahoma, Ohio state, Clemson, Georgia, or Alabama make it into the playoff this year? Alabama is the only team that I'm pretty much a hundred percent sold on. It'll be interesting with Bryce young. It if, will. If, yeah. If, if I don't know like if I'm a really hundred Ben, I'll it'll, I think it'll be more interesting with Ohio state's, quarterback situation though i mean there's a world where bama doesn't win the west because texas a&m steps up and does it we'll see i mean the three major players uh, alabama clemson and ohio state all breaking in new quarterbacks this year right i'm i'm bullish on bama just because like i think ben you said earlier in any year where there's there's not a known great team it ends up being bama what do we know about ohio state though like who's gonna is quinn ewers gonna be their quarterback and like uh, yes. CJ Stroud, he, oh, CJ no, Stroud, CJ Stroud, Stroud is another SoCal quarterback. So that's kind of the theme this year. You're going to hear that on the, all the broadcasts, including Clemson, JT Daniels, DJ Uyunglele, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, all from Southern California, all starting at these playoff caliber teams. Um, so CJ Stroud, unproven, highly tied recruit. Cody, I think Ohio State, weak defense, unproven defense, talented unproven just like they were a year ago but wide receiving core is off the charts good Olave is back Garrett Wilson's back uh is it Julian Fleming he was a Clemson uh, recruit went to Ohio State ultimately um uh, forget what state he's from might be Pennsylvania and they, they just have a number of other guys they've uh, actually gotten transfers in I think they got a transfer from Alabama to go to Ohio State as well um so they're and they have questions about running back. Um, but I think Ohio state, I see them as, as that type of a team, um, where, I mean, they do play Oregon. If they lose to Oregon, then they're one slip up big 10 game from having two losses and missing the playoff. We saw that, um, I forget which season it was, you know, where they, where they missed the playoff because of, they lost to Oklahoma and Baker Bayfield. I think it was 2017. Um, so all these teams, I, I think, can have that slip-up situation happen. That's why it's, it is intriguing. Uh, but I think when the dust settles, I'm not sure which of these teams is going to be the odd one out. When I, I say of the three teams, Clemson, Bama, and Ohio State, Clemson has the best shot to go undefeated in their conference. Yeah, no question on that. Um, um, so, so then for us, it depends on what how it comes down to the first game. And don't throw Georgia out of there. Let's Let's see what their offense is made of. Um, there's a lot of question marks there, especially the the skill positions and the the pass catching group, um, which you know we're not going to talk about the Georgia game here, but it's what a lot of people are predicting to be our path to success is kind of their 
their weak passing game and um, also pass coverage for them. Uh, but let's see what it is. Like they've got a lot of other pieces and they've, ta- they've recruited really well. Can Kirby smart put it together? Probably not, but it's possible. Yeah. And for, we, we dove in and did a Georgia preview um, with a fellow podcaster over at the damn good dog cast. Check that show out. We went in depth on that game. Uh, but you're absolutely right, Ben. I think like we talked about the Georgia fan psyche right now. Is this, if not now, when territory for them to win an Addy? There are enough question marks there, though, for them that you know, they, they could definitely drop one to Clemson. And then their, their one hiccup game or SEC championship game loss away from missing the playoffs. So um, I don't think there is a kind of cut and dried, clear top four. I mentioned Texas A&M. They could be a team outside that top five that makes it. People are pretty big on Iowa State. I do think Oklahoma is going to be good enough to like, I don't think he beat Oklahoma twice. It's kind of my point. So I, I don't expect that from Iowa state. I think there will definitely be two out of the three Clemson, Bama, Ohio state in the playoff. The question is there are, is there all three? Um, and then aside from that, who is either the third or fourth teams? That's a bit of a toss up. I think there's probably about four, four or five teams contending for that spot. Could be multiple SEC teams again. Last year we had two ACC teams if you want to count Notre Dame. So that's certainly in play also. Um, I don't think any of us are expecting a Pac-12 team to show up, but they'd have to likely be undefeated. Unless you're like in Oregon and you beat Ohio State and then you just have a random loss. You know, the the committee tends to judge based on your wins and how you look across the board. Oregon's got a big enough brand name. They could potentially do it. I just don't know if they have the the high-end talent and the quarterback play to be able to you know, contend for a playoff spot. Right. And I, I think that's why we say this year, Clemson with this team could be a national championship contender. It's in large part due to that. There's not a, a dominant team from last year that returned some of their most dominant players uh, back into this field. Like Spencer Rattler is the best quarterback anybody can come up with um, in that regard. So that's and why he we beat up that. on a, yeah, they beat up on Florida in that. Was it, wasn't the sugar bowl they played yeah, the cotton bowl right that, that, and, neither of that what has florida done for me lately nothing um well definitely not on defense and most of their players sat out for the nfl draft so that's true and i'm tired kind of unproven talking, yeah and i'm tired of talking about oklahoma like do something first but cody and i were talking about this the other day when i was beating him at golf um next year is the year for Clemson. Like that's the one circle on your calendars, both offense and defensive side of the ball. We should be super dominant next year, a ton of talent, a ton of experience. Um, this year it could go either way. Um, if it happens, we can say, yeah, we, we thought this could happen, but we're not a hundred percent sure about it. Next year for sure. It could play out this year that that Clemson's ready to take it all this year. And part of that's due to circumstances around college football and the other teams. Our our best players are sophomores. Like we have some really, really good sophomores. It could happen this year. I think in like night, like from 15 to 16, we kind of knew 16 was the year, but it almost happened at 15 from 19 to 20 at year, year two and three of Trevor Lawrence. We thought it could happen in 19, almost did, but we thought 2020 would be the year. It didn't turn out that way. And then, we, you know, we got a two-year window with DJ, and we feel like because of the, the great sophomores on the squad, next year will be that year. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see what's going on in Bama with Bryce Young, but this could just as well. 
like this is top to bottom, like from a talent standpoint, it, it could be the most talented Clemson team ever. And I don't think that's, I don't think I'm going too far. It's just, it's just oh. like realizing that, that talent, like, like in, it's hard to, it's more powerful to have a Deshaun Watson or like a, a, the Power Rangers than to have some good talent spread across the roster. Well, and we've done this for six seasons now and have seen this enough to where we go into some seasons where we underestimate it a little bit. We go into other seasons, we overestimate certain things a little bit. So I think at this point we can sit back and be like, yeah, this team is super talented on paper. It has uh, a lot of potential on paper, but we need to see that play out on the field. And I think, I think that's the difference. We're just more seasoned. You guys, are, you know? we're, you guys remember like our first three seasons, we predicted the defense to take a step back and be like the weakness of the team and proven wrong all, all of those times. I mean, we still don't know what we're talking about. So that's safe for three years ago. Looking back, there was some luck involved, like just hitting on guys. Kevin died coming out of nowhere. Um, trying to think uh, some of the things like Cleveland Farrell. Dorian O'Daniel. Like, Dorian O'Daniel, yeah. Like he was like in his fourth year. You're like, is he going to be a bust? And all of a sudden he's one of the best linebackers in the country. In hindsight, um, though, yeah. is that luck? You've seen this still consistently happens. I mean, like we've had some, I don't want to call them busts, but we had some guys that have not lived up to the billing, whereas Cleveland Farrell wasn't wasn't a top 100 player and he ended up being the top, you know, player in the country. It's not a surprise in hindsight now, Ben, because we know the player development is very strong at Clemson and keeping guys in the fold for four years and guys eventually, you know, finding their role. What is it? Bloom where you're planted, according to Dabo. That sort of thing is part of the identity, but that had to be proven by all the guys that you mentioned, Cody. Like, true. Now I mean, Hunter, be true. Hunter Renfro. We haven't had, like, where did he come from? We haven't had anything like it since he left. Came from uh, Myrtle Beach. Sockesty? That, that, that totally was that. Capital not player of Ohio. That wasn't Capital player development. Ohio. That was just luck. That wasn't scouting. It was just luck. They would have gave him a scholarship if it were. They thought that much of it. It's called TDE. I won't explain it. All right, guys. So are, did we just predict Clemson to win the Natty? <laughs> don't we every year? I mean, we, yes. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not going to predict them to win the Natty. I, I think there's... Yeah, I think, I think I'll take the field. If it's Clemson or the field, yeah. I will take the field. Yeah. Um, but like... Feed me these words in six months. Exactly. I'm fine with that. Even halfway through this, well, halfway through the season, ask us this question again. We'll have a better, right. You know, a better idea. This is more a championship team than it is the 2017 team where there were just too many. That was the Kelly Bryant year where there were just too many weaknesses. We clearly weren't a championship team that year. I think it's more like more of a, cha- yeah, it's more a championship team than that. I yeah. think it's more likely that. this team wins the natty than it is that this team misses the playoffs. I agree with that statement, but the, the bar is so low because of the ACC that that doesn't tell me much about how good this right. team can be. I'm taking into consideration the, first, the result of the first game, though. Sure. Even if it's a loss. Yeah. Um, guys, I think we should do just a couple of minutes here on the Georgia matchup. You know, We've referenced it throughout here. We know it's an important game. Reasons for optimism for me for Clemson, 
I need to be proven that JT Daniels can come in against the top five defense and actually put up 20, 24, 27, 28 points. Don't think it's going to happen. Georgia does have a very talented defense. If they can stifle Clemson's running game, make DJ have to win with his arm, you know, blanket the receivers, that sort of thing could be a long day for Clemson. And, you know, Georgia can win a low scoring game with their running game could see that playing out. So I guess my summary thoughts for the Georgia game guys is I think there's a much higher likelihood that Clemson is able to score in the mid twenties, upper twenties into the thirties based on having an underdeveloped secondary on the Georgia side. And I think they are going to be able to generate efficiency from the offensive standpoint, Clemson, I mean, um, and I just have questions about Georgia's offense too. So, um, I'm sure it's going to be a very exciting game. I'm sure Georgia is going to you know, showcase their talent and expose some aspects of Clemson that we've talked about and maybe not talked about, but I'm, I'm just feeling more confident now than I was after the Ohio state game. And even a month ago, I think after reading all the stories leading up to the game from both the Clemson side and the Georgia side, Aaron Murray had um, a, a pretty insightful and interesting, uh, uh, some things to say um, that kind of led in on his thoughts about how the Georgia offense may perform. We didn't have a lot of confidence they were going to put up a lot of points on this Clemson defense, but now I'm even more confident that they're not going to put up a ton of points, and it mainly has to do with their passing game and, and a lot of the injuries to their wide receivers and tight ends. Um, and so when you put strength on strength like that, let, let's call our defenses even. Um, I think our offense is better is going to be able to better perform than Georgia's offense. And so at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be a super high scoring game. Could Clemson score into the thirties, maybe low thirties. Um, maybe see us pull out a kick return of some sort, but otherwise, you know, I, I mentioned this before, I think it's a game played in the twenties, uh, but ultimately Clemson coming out on top just by virtue of having uh, the, the better upside offense. Yeah, so a couple things. I said, yeah, the spread is 50 points. I can't help but wonder if that's real. That is a really low point total, or not the spread, but the over-under uh, for points is 50. That's very low. I think it started at like 52. I wonder if some smart money is going to hit the over at some point. Um, just, I think TI has said that they would bet the under on this, and it's like, that's their pick. It makes sense. Clemson's never been a good team that's like ready to go out the gates. Even even in 2016, like it wasn't pretty. I don't I think it's going to be some ugly football, but I think we make enough plays to pull it out. If there was an embarrassment, like I was wondering, I'm like I feel like with two really good defensive lines and some questionable offensive lines, there's like the embarrassment factor. Which way would that would that go if something were to happen? And I, I I'm starting after Aaron Murray's comments. I'm thinking that we might be on the, on the right end of that, but who knows? It's not a yeah, sure thing. You think, you think Georgia, you think just stable of five-star big guys up front, Jimmy's and Joe's right. But for them to not have the continuity and put that together and be a consistent unit, they've had transfers too. you know, Cade Mays, we were bummed. He didn't come to Clemson. He went to Georgia. He left for Tennessee. That's been a couple of years. I think Sawyer is still there. He was a Clemson recruit, but he's by no means an established sure thing starter, even at this point for them. So that was, that was a little surprising to me and definitely 
gives you gives you confidence against the likes of Brze, Xavier Thomas, just uh, Justin Foster, etc. Yeah, it, it, well, I think our defensive line. The key to the game for me is our defensive line dominating, getting to the quarterback, putting pushing, putting pressure on JT Daniels, and. Uh, making him make some smart and quick decisions. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I I, I think it's a little bit more nuanced than just uh, throw it to our receivers because their secondary isn't that good. I'd go a step further. I run the ball at Darian Kendrick. We saw his desire to tackle and hit hard last year. Um, it was very obvious, and there was, there was a lack of desire. I um, compared him to Deion Sanders in his playing days. Phenomenal cornerback, great cover corner, can make some spectacular plays and interceptions and stuff like that. But when a 200 plus pound running back came his way, he got the hell out of the way. When, you know, a wide receiver over 185 came his way, uh, a lot of Olays there. So I kind of saw the same thing in Darian Kendrick, super talented guy, but not uh, the best and most willing to tackle and rough it up. So, I, I go to his side a lot early, just running the ball right at him. He might be uh, more inclined to, to hit in this game. Might have a little chip on his shoulder. That's fair, guys. All right. Well, it should be a good one. Primetime matchup. Is game day in Charlotte? It must be, right? ESPN game day. It's got to be. Probably. Yeah, it's the 730 yeah. game. So that'll be really fun. We will be back to recap that game. It is Labor Day weekend, so give us a little bit of grace there on getting back together and recapping that game. Uh, but it should be a good one. I'm really excited for that. I'm excited for this season coming up as well. You know, a lot, lot in store for the podcast. We pretty much do it weekly for our for our new listeners. Welcome for our returning listeners. Thank you. We appreciate you coming back. Uh, do it weekly during the season. Probably continue to bring in some interviews throughout the year. Um, Ben's going to read more mean tweets, mean reviews. Uh, Sounds like there's more more where that came from. So we're going to keep doing what we do. Please do go leave us a review. We appreciate the good ones. We'll read the bad ones. But don't take that as an impetus to leave us a bad one. Ben, I don't know what you've done. You've created a monster. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was going to say you can leave something funny. We might read it. But just give us five stars. It's all people. The, the stars is all we care about. That's all people see. That's right. So, guys, this is what our seventh season doing the podcast. We really appreciate our listeners. Um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sticking with us. This is fun for us. Allows us to, you know, stay close to the team we love, um, talk about it amongst ourselves, and you know, have everyone participate. So, um, you know where to find us on social media. We mentioned the reviews. We really appreciate that. Please tell friends. Please tell your Georgia friends. Tune in for this. Tune in for our other content. I'm sure they will find it entertaining. Guys, anything to? Anything else to say before we wrap it up here? Clemson 27, Georgia 13. Ooh. I, I have no score yet. I haven't thought about it. What happens if we shut him out? Cur- could, we, could we put Kirby on the hot seat by blowing them out? Shutting them out, blowing them out? Good question. I think we could. Yeah. Maybe. Because their schedule is not exactly type of embarrassment like, is not filled yeah. with world beaters this year either. So they're going to have a hard. I mean, they're going to have to beat Alabama. If they lose us, they have to beat Alabama um, or an undefeated SEC West champion to get into the playoff. Yeah, if they get just completely embarrassed, I think that does change their 
their story. I think you're right by, by that, Ben. It, I'm not, no one will, <laughs> we will not sit here and predict that happening. Wouldn't be the biggest shock though. Issues we mentioned. Be a lot of fun. I'd like that if it were two defensive scores. We shall see on Saturday night. That's right. All right, everyone. That is the show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for making it through all of our season preview content. It was really fun to connect with the SCS crew. Check out all those shows. Um, only a few days left before the season. Enjoy that. You know, get your last uh, pre-football stuff in because it's going to dominate our attention spans for the next six months. Um, thank you as always for tuning in and as always go Tigers. I, I just can't wait. I get so excited around the start of the season. I just, I feel like we're going to get in there really deep this year and it's just going to be a great year. How deep do you think we'll get? <laughs> I, the deeper, the better for me. Yeah, boy. They say.